this is James Rustad singing Bernie Sanders is one of us. He ain't no super pac man. Establishment's gonna do that bit, Bernie Sanders ain't gonna have none of it, cause he ain't no super pac man, ain't no super pac man. Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Keystone Pipeline, Bernie Sanders ain't no super pac man, ain't no super pac man. And that was Bernie Sanders is one of us. He ain't no super Pac-Man by James Rustad, which you can find on YouTube by searching for James Rustad. Greetings and welcome back to Bernie 2016. This is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on Bernie Sanders' candidacy for president of the United States. This podcast is completely independent of any candidate party or PAC. You can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com or follow on Twitter at BernieUS2016. You can find out more about this podcast at Bernie-2016.com. So to get us started today, uh, last time I spoke and recorded, it was the day of the Iowa caucuses, and I recorded that before any of the votes were cast, and it's about a week after that. Now, the votes have been cast, the results are in, and they are so incredibly close that there is still a chance that a counting error could sway the results in the other direction. Uh, so far, the Iowa Democratic Party has been pretty resistant to the idea of doing a recount and the, the traditional type of recount is is extremely difficult if not impossible with the caucus process but they did record the total uh, individual vote numbers they can double check the math and potentially see if there's anything that uh, was not recorded accurately and Bernie is uh, in his campaign is considering things, but to, but they're not pushing for anything. Um, and to be honest, uh, whether the 
a few points or a few votes swung one way or the other would not really have a major uh, impact on the overall campaign. Bernie came out with the vote total of 49.6%, only two-tenths of a percent behind the vote total of Hillary Clinton. And I call it the vote total, but in reality, it's not actually a vote total. The caucus process is very complicated, and the numbers that are counted at a caucus go towards what are known as state delegate equivalents. And there are between 1,000 and 2,000 of those across the state. And the difference between Hillary's state delegate equivalent total and Bernie's was about four. Last, last numbers I saw, Clinton had about 701, and Bernie was at 697. So that's, that's where those percentage totals end up coming from. Uh, it, it is a complicated process, more complicated than, than I even understand when all the uh, pieces come together. But in any case, um, I think we can uh, safely call it a tie. Um, with, this, with the numbers that stand right now, Hillary and her campaign could certainly call it a win, but it is um, a win by some of the narrowest margins possible. Uh, in fact, one-tenth of one percent swung in the other direction, and it would be dead even. So um, call it what you will. Bernie Sanders did an absolutely phenomenal job with no establishment support in the state, uh, with very, very little media support and endorsements in the state. I'm not sure if any um, significant media uh companies in the state made an endorsement for Sanders. Um, so, and, and with uh, very few pundits on Sanders' side, um, you know, they have the, Hillary has the politicians and the media and uh, the millionaires and Bernie has the people. And in Iowa, they showed that the people do have the power. But instead of me talking more about uh, Bernie Sanders and the Iowa campaign results or the Iowa election results, I will let you hear Bernie Sanders speak about those results and his next steps um, on the night of the Iowa caucuses. ago we came to this beautiful state we had no political organization we had no money we had no name recognition 
and we were taking on the most powerful political organization in the United States of America. And tonight, while the results are still not known, it looks like we are in a virtual tie. still not complete, it looks like we'll have about half of the Iowa delegates. I want to take this opportunity to congratulate Secretary Clinton, uh, somebody, yep. and her organization for waging a very vigorous campaign. And I want to thank Governor O'Malley. It's, it's never easy to lose. I've lost more than one campaign. But he should know, he should know that he contributed a whole lot uh, to the dialogue, that he ran an issue-oriented campaign, and he won the respect of the American people. As I think about what happened tonight, I think the people of Iowa have sent a very profound message to the political establishment, to the economic establishment, and by the way, to the media establishment. That is, given the enormous crises facing our country, it is just too late for establishment politics and establishment economics. What the American people have said, and by the way, I hear this not just from progressives, I hear it from conservatives, I hear it from moderates. And that is, we can no longer continue to have a corrupt campaign finance system. I am the former chairman of the Senate Veterans Committee. And in that capacity, not only have I worked hard to try to protect the interests of our veterans, I've had the privilege of meeting so many men and women who put their lives on the line to defend us and protect our way of life. And what they were protecting is an American democracy of one person, one vote, not billionaires buying elections.
I am overwhelmed and I am moved by the fact that millions of people throughout this country have helped volunteer in our campaign, that three, we have received in this campaign three and a half million individual contributions. People who went to BernieSanders.com, and you know what the average contribution was? It was $27. We do not represent the interests of the billionaire class, Wall Street, or corporate America. We don't want their money. We will. And I am very proud to tell you that we are the only candidate on the Democratic side without a super PAC. And the reason that we have done so well here in Iowa, the reason I believe we're going to do so well in New Hampshire and in the other states that follow, the reason is the American people are saying no to a rigged economy. They no longer want to see an economy in which the average American works longer hours for low wages while almost all new income and wealth is going to the top 1%. What the American people understand is this country was based and is based on fairness, on fairness. It is not fair when the top one-tenth of one percent today owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent. It is not fair when the 20 wealthiest people in this country own more wealth than the bottom half of America. So are you guys ready for a radical idea? Well, so is America. And that radical idea is we are going to create an economy that works for working families, not just the billionaire class. And yes, when millions of our people are working for starvation wages, we are going to raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. And yes, we are going to have pay equity for women. Now, I've been all over this beautiful state of Iowa we have spoken to some 70,000 people, and in meeting after meeting, I hear people standing up and they say, Bernie, I went to college. I graduated college. Now I am 60, 80, $90,000 in debt. That is crazy. That is crazy. People should not be punished 
financially because they want to get a decent education. And that is why I believe that in the year 2016, public colleges and universities should be tuition-free. And then my critics say, well, Bernie, that's a great idea. It's all this free stuff. How are you going to pay for it? I will tell you how we're going to pay for it. We are going to impose a tax on Wall Street speculation. The greed, the recklessness, and the illegal behavior of Wall Street drove this economy to its knees. The American people bailed out Wall Street. Now it's Wall Street's time to help the middle class. And when we talk about transforming America, we will end the disgrace of having more people in jail than any other country. disproportionately African-American and Latino. What we are going to do is provide jobs and education for our kids, not more jails and incarceration. And I'll tell you something that really does astound me. I'm on the Senate Energy Committee, I'm on the Senate Environmental Committee. I have talked to scientists all over the world. The debate is over. Climate change is real. And we have a moral responsibility to work with countries throughout the world to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. And what amazes me, what totally amazes me, is that we have not one Republican candidate for president prepared to come up and tell us and agree with what virtually all scientists agree with. And you know why they are not prepared to do that? Because on the day that they do acknowledge the reality of climate change and call for change, you know what happens? They're going to lose their campaign funds from the Koch brothers and the fossil fuel industry. So I say to the Republicans, stop worrying about your campaign funds from big oil or the Koch brothers or the coal industry. Worry about the planet you're going to be leaving your children and your grandchildren. Now, I have been criticized during this campaign for many, many things. Every single day. That's okay. That's okay. But...
But let me repeat what I believe. I believe that at a time when every major country on earth guarantees health care to all people as a right, that I believe that we should do the same in the United States of America. So for all of my critics out there in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and in corporate America, wherever you may be, let me tell you straight up. Yes, I believe that health care is a right, not a privilege. And that is why I believe in a Medicare for All single-payer program, which will not only guarantee health care to all, it will not only end the pharmaceutical ripoff of the American people, but it will save the middle-class family, the average middle-class family, thousands of dollars a year in health care costs. Let me conclude by saying what no other candidate for president will tell you. And that is that no president, not Bernie Sanders, not anybody else, will be able to bring about the changes that the working families and the middle class of this country, that our children, that the seniors, our seniors deserve. No one president can do it because the powers that be, Wall Street with their endless supply of money, Corporate America, the large campaign donors are so powerful that no president can do what has to be done alone. And that is why, and that is why what Iowa has begun tonight is a political revolution. A political revolution that says when millions of people come together, including those who have given up on the political process, they are so dismayed and so frustrated with what goes on in Washington, with young people who before had never been involved in the political process. When young people and working people and seniors begin to stand up and say loudly and clearly, enough is enough that our government, the government of our great country, belongs to all of us and not just a handful of billionaires. When that happens, we will transform this country. Thank you all very much. And that was Bernie Sanders uh, giving a speech following his historic results in the Iowa caucus where he drove to a tie in the results of that caucus with Hillary Clinton, the candidate who had a such a strong air of inevitability and uh, I think such a strong feeling in the democratic establishment that it was her turn 
um, faced uh, very few challengers and very few and, and no well-known challengers. Um, and Bernie, you know, being one of those uh, challengers that decided his ideas and his platform was the best platform for the country um didn't let that deter him nor did nor did the uh the the three or four other significant democratic candidates who started the race um against hillary and and uh for the nomination for the democratic um uh, candidate for president so i spoke last last uh episode about the water crisis in Flint, Michigan, and have a small follow-up piece on that. And this piece is from Politicus USA by Jason Easley. Democratic presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders is calling for a federal criminal investigation into Governor Rick Snyder and his administration after it was revealed that the Snyder administration knew of a potential link between Legionnaire's disease outbreak and the water in Flint, Michigan. The Democratic presidential candidate said, quote, The latest revelation about the public health crisis in Flint is horrifying. It is unacceptable that anyone on Governor Snyder's team would not act swiftly at even the slightest chance that residents were becoming seriously ill from the drinking water in Flint. Because of the conduct by Governor Snyder's administration and his refusal to take responsibility, families will suffer from lead poisoning for the rest of their lives. Children in Flint will be plagued with brain damage and other health problems. Not only should Governor Snyder resign immediately, the Justice Department must hold everyone accountable who knew about this crisis and did nothing. The federal government needs to take every possible measure to ensure that the people of Flint get clean drinking water as soon as possible. Sanders is right. There must be a federal criminal probe into the administration and the governor himself. Rick Snyder has refused to take responsibility. The governor's response to the crisis has been inadequate Nationally, Republicans have been trying to devise mechanisms to make the victims pay for access to clean water. What happened to the children of Flint was a crime, and federal authorities must investigate and prosecute every member of the Snyder administration for the intentional mass poisoning of an American city. So now that uh, the Iowa caucus is over and we are three days away from the new hampshire democratic primary where bernie has for a very long time run significantly ahead of hillary in the polls um anywhere from 10 to 20 percent a couple recent polls have that lead closer to 30 percent i think that the results will be uh much less than 30 percent I think um, Bernie Bernie sends a huge message if he wins the state of New Hampshire by 15%. If he wins by under 10%, Hillary is definitely going to claim, uh, as Bill Clinton claimed when I think he came in third, 
in uh, New Hampshire when he ran. He claimed himself to be the comeback kid. And uh, that same um, political expertise will be at hand if Hillary loses New Hampshire by less than 10%. Um, I think that uh, Bernie's New Hampshire uh, support is extremely strong. Um, it would be phenomenal to see a, a 15 to 20% win on his side. But like I said, the, to, to raise expectations that high is going to just cause a media storm if Bernie wins by, you know, a single digit percentages in New Hampshire, despite uh, New Hampshire looking the same way that Iowa did with all of New Hampshire's uh, major political leaders, the governor, the senators, the Democratic senators, the uh, representatives, um, all of those uh, inclined to support a Democrat are supporting Hillary Clinton. So uh, we shall see in a few days time what the results are in that particular race. And then after uh, New Hampshire votes, it will be on to Nevada and then on to South Carolina. South Carolina in particular has been um, looked at by the Hillary camp as uh, part of their firewall against um, against Bernie's um, growth and support and uh, increasing poll numbers. The demographics of South Carolina are significantly different from those of Iowa or New Hampshire. Iowa and New Hampshire are extraordinarily white in their demographics. Um, and South Carolina in the Democratic Party in particular, and those people who tend to come out and vote, um, are disproportionately black in relation to the um, portion of the overall country that uh, is, you know, African-American. So a very, very large minority presence in South Carolina. And Hillary is counting on that and counting on the fact that um, Bernie is in the polling challenged in the African-American community with gaining support in the same way that he has gained support among especially young people. Um in in the uh, white community. But there are some uh, positive signs. Bernie has some very high-profile supporters from the African-American community. He has some supporters from the state uh, Democrats at the uh, State House in South Carolina. And this story from... WYFF Channel 4. It's WYFF4.com. And this is by Tom Lobianco, and he is from CNN. South Carolina Democrat Harputlian backs Sanders. Richard Harputlian, a former South Carolina Democratic Party chairman known for his sharp tongue, endorsed Bernie Sanders on Wednesday saying the Vermont senator reminds him of President Barack Obama. Harpoolian said he made the decision after talking with Sanders by phone last week. He said Sanders' passion reminded him of the kind Obama exuded in 2007 when they first met. 
Quote, you sort of say, well, can he do it? Hartpoolian said. Quote, it's like 2007 when I met Barack Obama fully intending to support Hillary Clinton. And after a half hour with him, he convinced me. Not convinced me so much as I saw a passion in him. South Carolina will likely be a pivotal state for Sanders and Clinton, showing whether she can fend off his momentum coming off their virtual tie in Iowa and his sizable polling lead in New Hampshire. Hartpoolian was optimistic that Iowa improved Sanders' chances in the Palmetto State. Quote, Iowa shows that he can play, especially with folks under 30. And uh, that under 30 demographic is enormous for Bernie Sanders. Um, In uh, Iowa, 84% of the caucus goers that supported Bernie Sanders, that were under age 30, supported Bernie Sanders, including 84% of the female uh, caucus goers that were under the age of 30. So Bernie just has absolutely enormous support in the uh, younger crowd um, and the younger voters out there. Um, If the millennials and the other younger voters really turn out and really take part in this election, Bernie Sanders can absolutely win the national nomination for the Democratic Party. And some um, great news on the national side when we take a look at the national polls for Bernie Sanders. So I think just yesterday this story came out. This was printed in or published in businessinsider.com. And this is by Brett Logirado. Senator Bernie Sanders closed a 30-point gap with former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to virtually tie her in a new national survey published on Friday. The poll from Quinnipiac University found Clinton leading Sanders among National Democratic Party primary voters 44 to 42 percent. That was a wild swing from a mid-December Quinnipiac poll that found Clinton leading 61 to 30 percent nationally over Sanders. Quote, Democrats nationwide are feeling the burn as Senator Bernie Sanders closes a 31-point gap to tie Secretary Hillary Clinton, said Tim Malloy, the assistant director of the Quinnipiac poll. The Friday survey presented fresh signs of momentum for Sanders, who surprised much of the political world when he came close to overtaking Clinton in the Monday night Iowa caucuses. He also appears primed for a win in New Hampshire, which holds its primaries next Tuesday. He's up by more than 20 points in an average of recent polls of the state. The Quinnipiac poll found that Sanders would fare better than Clinton in hypothetical general election matchups, an argument he has started to make on the campaign trail. For example, while Clinton would lose to Senator Marco Rubio by seven points, Sanders would tie him. He also would double Clinton's margin of victory over real estate magnate Donald Trump. So an amazing, amazing swing in this poll, this national poll from Quinnipiac. 
showing that Sanders is within the margin of error within only two percentage points from Clinton's support in that poll. This poll, when this poll came out, it was absolutely an outlier. This is the first poll, I believe, that showed uh, Sanders less than five points away. I think there may have been one or two national polls prior that had Sanders um, under 10 points, but those were not polls that, uh, not polling results that were confirmed by other polls. So um, I already saw at least one story that said, essentially, uh, don't believe this poll. It's, uh, it shows such a huge swing in what appears to be a fairly short amount of time that um, I think people rightly have uh, skepticism about the results of this poll. Despite that, um, Quinnipiac has done a lot of polling in the race um, so far in various states and for the uh, national polling results. And I don't know that their results are are rated or viewed to be significantly uh, off target um, from, you know, what uh, other polls and what the actual results finally show us. I haven't looked back to see what the Quinnipiac polls for Iowa looked like. Uh, It would be interesting to take a look and see how well their polling matched the final results. So while I think uh, I'm very, very encouraged by the results of this particular poll, I completely understand by everyone how everyone should and many will take those results with a grain of salt. However, just today, a new poll came out, and this was reported by Newsmax.com. And don't see a author for this particular one. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders has erased Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's wide lead for the Democratic presidential nomination since the start of the year, putting the two in a dead heat nationally, according to a Reuters Ipsos poll. So this is a separate poll. This is not the Quinnipiac poll. That was reported on yesterday. This is a poll done by Reuters and Ipsos. Clinton leads Sanders 48% to 45% among Democratic voters, according to the poll. The poll had a credibility interval of 5 percentage points. Credibility interval is on the, along the lines of a margin of error, but uh, the online polling technically doesn't have a margin of error. So they um, came up with this different designation to show the amount of the lack of certainty in the poll results. Democrats had been supporting Clinton by more than a two-to-one margin at the beginning of the year. Sanders has narrowed that lead considerably over the past several weeks. Narrowed considerably, I think, is uh, based on the numbers in this poll, I think, narrowed considerably is like uh, not terribly accurate. Uh, I would say nearly eliminated is a more accurate description of the change in this poll. 
There's still a wide gap between the two in name recognition nationally. Nearly a quarter of Democrats and two-fifths of independents say they are still not that familiar with Sanders. In comparison, Clinton has almost total name recognition among voters. And that's been huge in fueling uh, Hillary Clinton's lead in the national polling and in the polling in many states so far. Um, it is why many, many people is one of the reasons why many, many people felt that she was the inevitable, uh, nominee for the democratic party and why so many fell in line behind her and gave her support. And I don't want to denigrate the support, um, the, the reasons why any of her supporters chose to support her. Uh, I think that by and large, nearly all of them support her because they support her policies. I think there's probably a small number who support her because they believe that she can win and they believe that she can maintain the White House for the Democrats while not agreeing as uh, extensively with her policies. But I don't believe there are people who completely do not believe in what what Hillary stands for and is running on who then would support her. I think there are other alternatives for most of those people to make other choices. So uh, that grain of salt I was talking about, still still, you should uh, take these results, these super close, less than 5 percentage points, really 3% and 2% in these two polls. Still, uh, it is uh, only two polls so far, but incredible to see these two polls taken about the same time released very, very closely together, showing very, very similar national results with Bernie having trimmed down Hillary Clinton's wide lead to two to three percentage points. So that is absolutely phenomenal um, change in the polling for the race for the Democratic nomination nationally. And I spoke about uh, South Carolina and the um, endorsements that Bernie has received there and and that are growing. And another endorsement that Bernie got this week will probably go some distance to raise his visibility and raise awareness of him and his candidacy in the black community. This from WashingtonPost.com by John Wagner. And before I get into it, just want to make a note, and I've said this before, John Wagner of WashingtonPost.com has done some of the best, most consistent, fairest reporting on Bernie Sanders' campaign. I think there are probably three or four people out there, very uh, probably, and probably two or three of those people are not um, part of the corporate media. And uh, just want to say kudos to John Wagner and the way that he has been covering the Sanders campaign. Former NAACP leader Ben Jealous to endorse Bernie Sanders. Benjamin Jealous, the former head of the NAACP, will endorse Democratic presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders on Friday 
at an event in New Hampshire, according to a person with direct knowledge of the planned announcement. And this story came out last week. The backing of Jealous, 43, who was the youngest leader of the civil rights organization, provides a potential boost for the Vermont senator who has struggled to connect with African-American voters in his race against Hillary Clinton. African-Americans will be a key constituency in the Democratic contest once it moves beyond New Hampshire, which is predominantly white, much like Iowa, where Clinton narrowly prevailed Monday in the first in the nation caucuses. Though Sanders has a long history of civil rights activism, he began his presidential bid largely unknown among black voters. About 95% of Vermont's population is white. Clinton has enjoyed large leads in polling among African Americans, as well as the endorsements of a broad array of black elected officials. And I looked for a audio recording of this endorsement and was not able to find one, um, but do have a piece that was posted on BernieSanders.com, written by Ben Jealous. And this was the written text of what was prepared to be delivered on February 5th. Thank you. It's good to be back in New Hampshire. People may wonder why a former head of the NAACP would come all the way up here to speak on behalf of a senator from New England. So let me explain why I'm here. I'm here because my family, like our American family, stretches from the White Mountains of New Hampshire to the black soil of the South. My black grandparents fell in love at Virginia State University, and my white grandparents fell in love right here in Lebanon, New Hampshire, at the local high school. Growing up in a family that mirrors much of our American family, I can attest to the fact that if there is one thing that unites our nation as a family, it is our love for our children and our growing concern that the American dream must not die on our watch. I've been awakened by phone calls about a black cousin murdered in Maryland streets. I have lain awake at night, worried about a white family member, raised not far from here, who was struggling with drug addiction. I have sat amongst the young people warehoused in our prisons, the most incarcerated black, brown, red, and yes, white men and women on the planet. And as I speak at colleges and universities across our country, I leave each event haunted by the uniquely high levels of debt borne by our children of all colors who are lucky enough to make it to college, and the despair that comes from not being able to remember when our nation was not at war. Each time I travel, I come face to face with the violence and addiction that flourishes among joblessness. Each time I travel, I am confronted by that joblessness, which has been accelerated by bad domestic policies and even worse, foreign policy. Each time I counsel a young graduate of a public university, saddled with debt because their state cut public education budgets in order to expand incarceration budgets, or face the national despair and fear that is fostered by a stupid war in Iraq that has cost us too many lives, too much money, and squandered way too much of our nation's influence overseas. Each time that I feel my faith begin to falter in our collective ability to turn our ship of state around and secure the American dream for all our children, I remind myself 
that, that which bad public policy and fearful politicians have done, good public policy and courageous, principled public servants can undo. I remember that no matter how tough the challenge may be that we face today, our forefathers and foremothers overcame worse yesterday in order to secure the future for us. And we are just as able to get up, stand up, and win great victories for our children right here, right now, so that they too may inherit a better tomorrow. And I recall the words of the late great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that, quote, A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. And that is why I'm here today. Bernie Sanders has been principled, courageous, and consistent in fighting the evils that Dr. King referred to as, quote, giant triplets of racism, militarism, and greed. As a student in the early 1960s, he got arrested fighting to integrate university housing in Chicago. Today, as a senator, he has an A-plus rating from the NAACP. As a candidate for president, he has the best plan for ending mass incarceration and improving community policing. And, lest we forget that the special tragedy that is the wrongful execution of the innocent, almost always from low-income families and usually black, like Troy Davis. He is the only remaining candidate who opposes the death penalty. As a young man, he opposed the war in Vietnam. As a U.S. Senator, he voted against the war in Iraq. And throughout his life, he has been a fearless, tireless, and trustworthy champion for the right of all of our nation's children to have full and unfettered access to the American dream. As president, he will address the sky-high youth unemployment rates in our small towns and inner cities by putting a million more young people to work. As president, he will solve the student debt crisis at our public universities by making them tuition-free. And let us not forget, when Wall Street got bailed out, those places where we all live, from Main Street to the back streets to the side streets, all got left out. On the issue of the unfettered greed that has come to define Wall Street, suffice it to say, Wall Street's greediest leaders fear him even more than we have come to fear the Wall Street's biggest and greediest banks. And when it comes to Dr. King's definition of a great leader, Bernie Sanders is running a positive, principled, people-powered campaign that has steadily molded the consensus across our nation to such a high level that the polls now say he is hands down the best candidate for beating any of the Republican nominees at the polls next fall. In short, Bernie Sanders has the courage to confront the institutionalized bias that stains our nation. Bernie Sanders leads with the sort of freedom-minded conviction that strikes fear in the military-industrial complex, the prison-industrial complex, and the worst of Wall Street. And most importantly, Bernie Sanders is a type of leader we can trust to fight for the future of all our nation's children as if they were his own. It is for all these reasons that I am proud to endorse Bernie Sanders for President of the United States. And those were the remarks by Ben Jealous, the former head of the NAACP, when he endorsed Bernie yesterday. 
and uh, he is not the only one getting out there and uh, saying great things about Bernie and his history. This piece is from Jim O. Sullivan of the Boston Globe. It's titled, Longest Serving Women in the House Makes Her Case for Bernie Sanders. A few minutes after the CNN town hall for Democratic candidates ended Wednesday night, a former White House speechwriter amplified the swelling chorus of Obama alumni rallying to the cause of Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. Quote, who has written the most persuasive case for Bernie's electability? Tweeted John Lovett, who previously worked for Clinton and helped produce the newsroom on HBO. Quote, I want to understand how people are convincing themselves. Consider longtime Ohio Congresswoman Marcy Kaptur pretty well convinced. The longest serving woman in the U.S. House, Kaptur, a Democrat, officially neutral in the race, called Sanders, quote, the only voice we've had the last three decades of all these presidential candidates who is actually talking about the economic issues that are actually affecting American families. Kaptur, a longtime ally of organized labor and outspoken opponent of President Clinton's free trade policies, stopped just shy of endorsing Sanders, but praised him for his ideological consistency. Quote, he hasn't changed anything, and people are hearing the message now, unvarnished now, for the first time in my career, she told the Globe. Quote, first time in my career that I've heard a candidate give voice to what we've been struggling for and against in this Congress for the last quarter century. She contrasted that with Clinton, saying, quote, I must say that when Secretary Clinton was Secretary of State, I don't recall her ever attempting to balance free trade agreements or change them in any way. As polls showed a tight race in the Iowa caucuses, which Clinton narrowly won Monday, and depicts Sanders far ahead in New Hampshire, the Democratic establishment has rallied behind Clinton. Several former Obama aides have weighed in publicly on her behalf. A Toledo Democrat and member of the House Progressive Caucus, Kaptur said her comments Wednesday were her most discursive yet about Sanders' candidacy and came in response to a question about the days back and forth between Sanders and Clinton over progressive credentials. Much of the sizzle in the Democratic primary has focused on Sanders' ability to corral the energy in the party's left-wing base, assailing Wall Street and punishing and pushing populist rhetoric. In Wednesday night's town hall, Clinton pushed back, arguing that she and Sanders share the same goals, but she also stumbled over questions about her six-figure payments for speeches to investment bank Goldman Sachs. Said Kaptur, Quote, Senator Sanders has always been there. He has never been a Johnny-come-lately, and he has never changed positions. Captor said Clinton had belatedly come to oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership, noting, quote, Senator Sanders was there from the very beginning. Quote, the issue that has been the most cutting for the American people has been their economic welfare. Over the last quarter century, they have been dealt such heavy blows. I have always regarded Senator Sanders as one of the most pristine voices on their behalf, whether it was auto workers in Ohio or farm workers from New Mexico. 
Comparing Sanders to former President Harry Truman, Kaptur said, quote, In many ways, his struggle in this campaign is very noble because he is up against the most powerful forces, economic forces, that have caused so much harm. They'll try to diminish him, and I admire the fact that he's running, that he is an agent of change in our society, and that he doesn't have the billionaire class lined up behind him. He is a senator from Vermont. And there's some more support from a sitting representative in the U.S. House of Representatives for Bernie Sanders. So he's definitely sees a growing support out there from elected leaders and um, from other civic leaders out there. So uh, the campaign is being fought hard in the public, in the corporate media, in the, I hesitate to call it alternative media, but in the uh, non-corporate modern media, which uh, takes part in many ways online and through social media. And uh, there's, I take part in some of that. I, I, I uh, follow stories on Twitter for Bernie Sanders or the hashtag feel the burn. I look at those almost daily to see what's new. What are, what are people saying? Um, a, a lot of it is obviously Bernie centric um, focused on Bernie a lot. As I mentioned before, um, when I started following Sanders early in his campaign, you know, the, the Twitter commentary for Bernie or Twitter uh, stories that were posted on Bernie were overwhelmingly positive. And more recently in the last couple of months that has uh, turned and there's a lot of negative comments towards Bernie um, out there in Twitter, um, which is the the main social media uh, mechanism that I um, keep my eyes on. But certainly I expect the same is on Facebook and in many other places. Um, on the flip side, there are a lot of uh, angry, irate, ignorant comments uh, flowing towards the other candidates as well. And Hillary certainly gets her fair share, probably more than her fair share. And uh, along those lines, um, has um, in, in the corporate media recently, there have been a few stories targeting Bernie supporters and those people who claim they support Bernie, who take their uh, online bashing to the extreme. And this first one is from Jezebel.com. It's theslot.jezebel.com by Joanna Rothkopf. Bernie Sanders' campaign is concerned about the Bernie bro, as they maybe should be. If you disrespect Bernie Sanders, you're going to get a visit from his social media goons. They are passionate about campaign finance reform, staying active in 170s, and being very, very manly. They are the Bernie bros. 
The Atlantic's Robinson Meyer first coined the phrase in October, describing your typical Bernie bro as someone who is, quote, white, well-educated, middle-class, or delicately upper-middle-class, and aware of NPR podcasts and jangly-bearded bands. And I, I saw that piece when it came out in The Atlantic, and it's, it's a whole string of uh, descriptions of what the author felt the Bernie bro was. And actually, if you read through it, um, the Bernie bro described in that piece is not really uh, the Bernie bro that the current corporate, corporate media is describing. The Bernie bro from the original piece was a very passionate supporter of Sanders and Sanders policies and was focused on the policies. Uh, You should go and take a look if this uh, particular slant on the race interests you. should go and take a look at uh, that original story and see where the um, phrase was coined. Uh, But the corporate media these days um, is using that Bernie bro moniker in a very different way. And the only real significant complaint I have about it is some of those pieces carelessly throw the term out without being very specific about who they believe uh, these individuals are. And sometimes that those pieces paint a very broad brush implying that uh, much of Bernie's base, many of Bernie's supporters fall into this category when in reality is very, very narrow slice of the supporters and people who claim to be supporters of Sanders who act out heinously online and uh, essentially troll the opposition. But back to the piece. Mashable's Emily Kahn reports that politicians and other public figures who support Hillary Clinton can expect to receive a torrent of often sexist insults in response. Quote, you should have supported someone with integrity instead of a lying shitbag like HRC, one Bernie bro commented on a photo of Senator Gene Shaheen and Clinton. Quote, their vaginas are making terrible choices, another commented. The vitriol became so much that Mike Casca, Sanders' rapid response director, took to Twitter to make an appeal for common decency. Quote, we love our supporters and we know we wouldn't be here without you all, but it does add a layer of complexity when we have to track what you all do during some moments when we are shaping our messaging. Sanders' digital, director, digital media director Hector Sigala followed up on Reddit, quote, Above all, just know you represent our movement and be respectful with those who disagree with you. Quote, yeah, I'll admit I was guilty of this when talking to a Hill Dog supporter, and it's D-A-W-G, unquote. One bro responded, quote, they just become so condescending when talking about the issues that it can set off your temper. Definitely going to focus on being more respectful and being the bigger man when debating Bernie's policies. 
Since receiving the scolding from Sanders people, it's clear that many Sanders supporters are attempting to helpfully police their fellow bros' behavior. In an attempt at shaking loose some bros from the Internet's rafters, I posted the comment, quote, Bernie is great, but isn't Hillary more electable? In two popular Facebook groups for Sanders supporters. In the first group, my comment was immediately deleted. In the second, it set off a bomb. Within 45 minutes, it received almost 150 comments. Most people attempted to convince me why Sanders was the only electable option. Many contributed memes. Some dismissed me as a, quote, shillery troll. And just a few bros reared their heads. I think that point is important that of the 150 comments, she considers that only a few bros reared their heads. Hashtag no shillery, one wrote. Personally, you know, I mean, calling Hillary shillery is certainly uh, mildly, in my opinion, mildly derogatory, saying that she's a shill. Um, But I don't think, you know, while it contributes to the negativity, I don't think it comes close to the people at the extremes. And uh, here's what another one said. Quote, no, she's a fucking twat, said another. Quote, I am of the opinion that Shillery, and that's written with a dollar sign instead of an S, is a fucking twat. Twat, 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 capital letters. Bye, Felicia. Quote, Bernie is great. If you have any morals or ethics, that is the end of the discussion. If, on the other hand, you have no moral compos, I think maybe that was supposed to say compass, then why not say Trump is more electable than that clit trash? There, now you can vote for the winner. Year, you idiot. Use your vote to do the right thing or get that weak shit and go home. Each time I was attacked, though, other supporters condemned their language and exclusivity. When one bro told me I shouldn't be in the group, another responded, quote, Yes, she should. We would love for you to come aboard the Bernie train. Please watch, continue to do your research, and keep asking questions. We need to keep educating people, not turning them away. Everyone should. Hashtag feel the burn. So uh, these extremists, these trolls, they exist. They exist in social media, in any popular form of social media. Uh, YouTube is rampant with them. Twitter is unfortunately also rampant with them. I don't particularly partake in Facebook. I expect there's quite a lot there. And uh, probably one of the um, big havens for that type of trolling, condescending, crude, disgusting um, response is unfortunately, unfortunately for all the good people on that service, uh, unfortunately on Reddit. Um, I have a, I, I read a lot of my news and the, the Twitter streams that I follow on Flipboard. And I have a Flipboard magazine for Bernie called Bernie for President. Um, and the Flipboard magazine process allows you to post things and also allows you to comment on posted things. And while I've found some outstanding discussion-based commentary on uh, Flipboard in the magazines that that I've looked at or the comments on the 
um, items that I've posted, which also other others have posted as well. Um, there's also uh, much too much uh, douchebaggery. And I think any amount of douchebaggery is uh, too much douchebaggery. Um, so it the Bernie bro is real. The Bernie bro is a small minority. And bottom line for me, unfortunately, and I, I'm, I'm very uh, proud of all the Bernie supporters that take those individuals to task. Um, but I think when it comes to the bottom line, uh, assholes are everywhere. And when those assholes um, attempt to speak in support of the things we support and support of the candidate that we support, we need to uh, politely attempt to refocus them on um, a more positive message or focus on the issues. It's what Bernie does. Trash talking and as a uh, what in is kind of interpreted online as a supporter of Bernie um, really shines a very, very poor light on the candidate. Um, someone else that I follow on Twitter is Will Wheaton. And Will Wheaton is a big Bernie supporter and um, sent out some tweets regarding the whole Bernie bro concept and uh media that he had seen and i guess i'll just get into the piece that he wrote following up those tweets to try to um get a little bit more uh better portrayal of where he really was coming from so this piece is from will wheaton and this was posted on medium I wasn't defending terrible behavior, but I understand why it seemed that way. I stirred up a shitstorm on Twitter earlier today, and as I thought about what I said, how I said it, and how people responded to me, I needed more than 140 characters to work it all out. I'm going to acknowledge my privilege right now before I get into this, because I'm a middle-aged white dude, I don't have the same experience in life that, well, pretty much everyone else has. Who isn't? I know that the world is set up to make life for people like me as easy as possible. And even though I try to see from outside of my own limited perspective, I don't always succeed. I honestly didn't know until today that this subset of Sanders supporters, who apparently attack Clinton supporters with really awful and shitty misogynistic behavior, I didn't know that this same group of people apparently goes after non-white supporters as well. Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have said a thing that could even remotely be mistaken as defending them, because I find people like that despicable, regardless of who they align themselves with politically. I know this sounds like, quote, hashtag not all Sanders supporters, unquote, but the Sanders supporters and activists I interact with daily don't support or engage in that behavior. I honestly thought after seeing quote, Bernie bros thrown around on a daily basis, that it was being used to describe all of us who believe in Senator Sanders' platform, as opposed to a shitty group of shitty people 
who I honestly can't believe are genuine progressives like the rest of us who want Bernie to get the nomination. Again, I recognize that this lack of awareness is directly tied to my privilege, and I don't want that to be an excuse, but it's just the truth, and it's more than a little embarrassing to me. I began to feel like all of us who are on Team Bernie were being written off by our fellow Democrats, the political media, and the establishment as bros who are just angry men only supporting Sanders because we can't bring ourselves to support a woman. I find this suggestion as offensive and childish as a suggestion that Secretary Clinton's support is based solely on her gender. Honestly, I honestly felt like it was an effort to undermine and minimize our support, to simply write us off as sexists. And it wasn't entirely unreasonable to feel that way, because those of us who supported then-Senator Obama in 2008 were relentlessly attacked by Clinton supporters as being sexist jerks who wouldn't vote for a woman. And they were, in turn, often called racists. Both accusations were stupid and lazy, in my opinion. Glenn Greenwald wrote that the, quote, Bernie bro charge was a cheap, false, handy, all-purpose pro-Clinton smear meant to inherently delegitimize all critics of Hillary Clinton by accusing them of, or at least associating them, with sexism. I read this from Glenn shortly after I read a column by Paul Krugman, in which Krugman seemed to suggest that all of Sanders' supporters were these Bernie bros. I felt that it was unfair and inaccurate. When I think of a bro, I sort of think of this guy, and I'm pretty sure that there aren't a lot of folks out there who think that guy is awesome. When I think of a Sanders supporter, I think of a massively diverse group of people who see a clear choice between a progressive and a triangulating centrist. I heard from a lot of women on Twitter today who knew someone or who had been attacked themselves by someone claiming to be a Sanders supporter. These attacks always use gendered slurs that seem to be ripped straight out of a typical Game Gators swamp of awfulness. Gamer Gators swamp of awfulness. And if you're not familiar with Gamergate, um, in the um, and I am not probably the person to dive in at all to the details but in the gamer community the video game community and media um there's been or there was or probably still is a much much too large uh segment of the online population engaging in these exact same types of slurs in uh significantly focused against women who are um, trying to bring up various points about the gaming community and about um, sexism within it. Um, so I'll back up slightly. These attacks always used gendered slurs that seemed to be ripped straight out of a typical gamer gators swamp of awfulness. Are all of these women telling the truth? Lying? Clinton campaign operatives engaging in a coordinated social media campaign? I don't know, but I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt because I sat next to my wife and watched her Twitter account get overwhelmed by exactly that sort of garbage because she has the temerity to be a woman online. And uh, his wife is Ann Wheaton, and she um, does uh, various different uh, has various different projects 
and that she would occasionally talk about online, among talking about her um, things that went on in her life in general. And uh, I was going to say maybe some occasionally, but rarely something political, but really probably very rarely. Um, and uh, she recently quit Twitter because of the assholes that um, would respond when she would make a statement in these disgusting, derogatory, you know, incredibly hateful ways, including death threats. Uh, so while this is not the typical Sanders supporter, and I would venture to say that uh, the vast majority, or and, and I would venture to say nearly all of Sanders supporters condemn this type of language and activity. Unfortunately, there are a small number of these people, and they're getting a lot of press, and they are um, getting play in the media, and whether that's media blowing things up or whether that is um, media feeling they're genuinely reporting on an, you know, a real issue, which I certainly believe it is a real issue, um, that's to each each individual author's motives. Um, but uh, I would speak for many of us in the Sanders campaign and hope that many of us speak out at any opportunity that we get. Um, I condemn this behavior. I think we collectively condemn this behavior. It puts a negative stain on Bernie's campaign. And I think where the um, press is more likely to uh, come out about this is because Bernie's running his campaign, uh, you know, not in a negative way. He's running his campaign proudly stating that he doesn't run negative uh, campaign ads, um, very carefully staying away from topics that are likely to uh, skew things in a negative way. Um, that has that has led some people to um, put extra pressure on his campaign when there is any any slight resemblance of something that could be taken in a negative way, which makes it challenging for him to make. Uh, effective criticisms on Hillary's record um, without a number of people claiming that it's going negative. Um, I think that and from both sides, Hillary certainly does the same, um, pointing out, describing your opponent's record and how you differ from that record or how you feel that that record is, is bad and those decisions were bad is not necessarily negative campaigning. Um, think negative campaigning is the kind of crap that uh, these real, actual Bernie bros are accused of and actually have done. There's a clear record that um, these trolls have uh, taken part in this kind of disgusting bashing. And I think um, all of, virtually all of Sanders supporters would ask them, to please stop and wish it would end now. And next piece from BillMoyers.com by Deidre Fulton. 
Just days after a Bernie Sanders campaign ad singled out Goldman Sachs as, quote, one of the Wall Street banks that triggered the financial meltdown, unquote, the head of the global investment banking firm said such criticism is, quote, dangerous. According to The Hill, Sanders has, ral- has railed against Wall Street throughout his populist campaign, accusing the sector of ruining the economy and holding down the middle class. And he has singled out Goldman CEO Lloyd Blankfein and his firm as a poster child for the greed and recklessness he says is endemic in finance. In a January interview with Bloomberg, he specifically mentioned Blankfein as representing greed on Wall Street for taking massive pay packages, quote, after destroying the economy. Quote, to personalize it, it has a potential to be a dangerous moment, Blankfein told CNBC on Wednesday, not just for Wall Street, but for anybody who is a little bit out of line. Blankfein also reportedly argued, quote, that Sanders and his ilk are too rigid to get anything done. On the campaign trail, Sanders has criticized not only big banks, but rival Hillary Clinton's cozy ties to them. Bloomberg notes that Blankfein, who supported Clinton for president in 2008, also, quote, declined to endorse a candidate for the 2016 U.S. presidential election, saying his imprimatur could harm that person's chances. Quote, I don't want to help or hurt anybody by giving them an endorsement, Blankfein said in response to a question about whether he was backing Clinton this time around. And uh, interestingly, while saying he was refraining from supporting Hillary Clinton because he did not want to help or hurt anybody by giving them an endorsement, his attack against Sanders' um, statements has actually... Um, given Sanders a uh, backwards endorsement, you know, for the people who believe um, in what Bernie is saying about the financial industry and Goldman Sachs in particular, for uh, the leader of Goldman Sachs to come out and attack Bernie um, just adds some more fuel and some more support to Bernie's point. So wrapping up this week, we are, as I mentioned earlier, three days away from the New Hampshire primary and with some high expectations, with some phenomenal poll numbers that Bernie is seeing out of New Hampshire, uh, it is extremely likely that he will win that race. And then with everybody or with the vast majority assuming that going in based on the polling results, then it becomes a matter of how much did he win by and whether his win will be actually seen as a win um, when the press and the media start to spin the results. And knowing how the corporate media is stacked against Bernie, he better win really big to not uh, get a avalanche of attempted takedowns based on those results. But I'm really confident. I'm very confident coming out of the Iowa caucuses with the super strong support that we saw there and with the polls out of New Hampshire that Bernie is going to have a decisive 
and clear victory in New Hampshire um, that really won't be able to be spun in any other way. I am really looking forward to seeing those results. So if you want to reach out to me, you can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com. You can take a look at the website Bernie-2016.com where you'll find a link to that Flipboard magazine I spoke of earlier. Or you can follow me on Twitter at BernieUS2016. We are heading out tonight with Bernie Sanders, Who the Hell is He? by Tatyaya, which you can find on YouTube. That is T-A-T-Y-A-Y-A. Thanks for listening. Bernie Sanders, who the hell is he? A friend of you and me, a man of integrity. Bernie Sanders, who the hell is he? A 21st century revolutionary. Stand with Bernie 2016. It's time we stop the Wall Street machine. Bernie Sanders. Who the hell is he? Listen to him speak Maybe then you'll see We're red, white, and blue Not red, white, and green Stand with Bernie 2016